0: So tonight, a couple of things I do want to speak to you about uh, from some some passages. But before we do that tonight, I want to uh, begin by praying tonight for uh, prodigal children. You know, we were um, we were gathered, of course, Sunday on Father's Day, and we read the story of the prodigal son. How you know the the son asked for his inheritance in advance, and his father gave him uh, his his, his inheritance and he went out and uh, indulged it in riotous, prodigal living, wasteful living. The story of how he eventually came to the end of himself and came to his senses and returned home with a repentive and completely broken heart and uh, how his father embraced him and welcomed him back into the family and restored him. The father saying, he, my son was lost but now he's found. And that, that story resonates with so many hearts for a variety of reasons. Obviously, there are those lives that that are prodigal, those lives that have backslidden and fallen away from the Lord. And then their hearts kind of come under the, the realization that I need to come back to the Lord. And there's the wonder, will God have me back? Can I come back to the Lord? Am I too far gone? Have I, have I sinned too deeply? Have I grieved the Lord you know too much to where you know I don't. I feel too ashamed to even return to the Lord. And and the beautiful story of the prod, prodigal son is that it's never too late. That prodigal son came to the end of himself, but when he came home, his father was looking for him. While he was still a long ways off, he ran out and embraced him. If your heart is sincere, and there is a true repentance and desire to return to the Lord, uh, then your heavenly Father is wanting to embrace you. And of course, it's a beautiful story of restoration for those that need to come back to the Lord. But it's also a picture of those of, of the father, isn't it? The father who had to watch his son go out and learn some hard lessons in life. And you can imagine that the father, it says that he saw him while he was still a long ways off. You get the idea that the father was looking for his son every day, hoping, will he come back today? What's going on with my son today? Where is he? What's happening in his life? The father's love for his son never ceased. It just he lost uh, connection with him and the son went his own way and he had to just kind of um, hope and pray and wait for the son to return. And so the story resonates with, with parents' hearts, doesn't it? Because many parents have prodigal children, children that have either fallen away from the Lord for any variety of reasons or they are currently running away from the Lord. They, they may have known the Lord at one time. You you yourself may have been involved in, in raising them in the Lord and there was a time when they were they had a, a real honest and sincere walk with God, but now they have turned away. They've gone out into the world. They've turned their back on the Lord through circumstance, through distraction, whatever it is. And your heart is grieving as a parent, as a mother, as a father, as a grandmother. Um, and I want us to pray for the, for the prodigals tonight. Um, and so if you're here tonight, and, and here's the way I kind of wanted to, thought we would do it, and not to embarrass anyone, but to just honestly pray for one another. Um, if you are, I want to pray for those that have a prodigal, either a son or, or daughter, Uh, that is away from the Lord, and you're praying for them, and you're troubled in heart and spirit over them. We want to join with you tonight in prayer, Uh, whether it's, like I said, a son or daughter, maybe it's a grandson or a granddaughter, or, you know, maybe it's a a sister or a brother, someone in your immediate family that you are deeply troubled for tonight, um, because you know that they have walked away from the Lord, and they are out there, uh, and you know how it is when you're out there. I mean, into the world, into all kinds of of, of troubled living. And, and maybe not even just off into the world, but just not walking with, the, with God. Having no longer an interest in the Lord and walking close to the Lord. And your heart is burdened for Him. And you want to pray for Him tonight. What we want to do is hook up together in small groups and pray for those individuals. The way I want to identify you, I'm just going to ask you to stand. If you're here tonight... And you have a loved one, a child, a grandchild, a brother, uh, someone that is closely connected to you through family. And you want to stand in the gap for them tonight because you know that they they have turned away from the Lord, not walking with the Lord. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Let us identify who you are. so you see the kind of need that we have here in our midst. Anybody else need to stand? Okay, those of you that are seated, and I I, may have to move around a little bit here tonight for this first section, And, and then like I said, I have some passages I want us to share with and pray together. But those of you that are seated, if you would now just identify who's standing around you and please go and join up with anyone that is standing. Let there not be anybody standing that is standing alone. Please try and hook up. And I'll let you guys get connected uh, and uh, groups no maybe no larger than five, but you know, nobody alone. And after you're kind of connected, then I will um, we'll get started in prayer, but I want to make sure everybody has somebody. Anybody does not have somebody to pray with them yet. Everybody has someone to pray with. I don't see any hands. So everyone has someone that is joining with you in prayer, right? All right, then. I, you, don't have to, you don't have to share details in your group uh, other than if you, you know, want to. It's my son. It's my daughter. It's a grandson. You don't need to go into the, into the details. You want to spend your time praying. We understand. They're away from the Lord. Your heart is burdened for them. Go ahead and spend a few moments now in your group praying for these uh, these loved ones. We are thankful tonight, Lord, that when your people pray, we have a God who hears in heaven, and a God who answers prayer, and a God who works, and a God with whom nothing is impossible. Lord, we lift up these prodigals tonight, Lord, these loved ones that are have drifted away from You, that are living, Lord, not in close relationship with You, not in honesty before You. And we ask that Your Holy Spirit would, would move on them, Lord. We ask that Your Holy Spirit would convict them tonight, draw them tonight, encourage them tonight, reminded, remind them that they are loved. Remind them, Lord, that, that You have something for them. Lord we pray for each of the parents and family members here tonight God that you would strengthen their hearts that they would not lose heart Jesus you taught us to pray and not lose heart but to continue to pray to ask and to keep asking So our confidence Lord is that you are working you are moving and we look for the testimony God we look for the power of prayer to bring great answer In time to come. We thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. If you have your Bibles with you, I would ask you to open them with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 22. Ezekiel, chapter 22. I want to talk to you a little bit tonight about standing in the gap. Standing in the gap. I, I do believe that that is an important part of prayer is standing in a place of intercession, interceding for uh, our loved ones as we did here tonight, interceding for our community, for our nation, for our culture, for our schools, for our young people, for our churches and pastors, and interceding for the nation as a whole and what's going on in our country And I believe that there is a responsibility that falls to the church to pray, to intercede, to stand in the gap. Take a look with me in Ezekiel chapter 22. I want to pick it up in verse 23. Ezekiel 22 and verse 23. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed or rained on in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured people. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have violated my law and profaned my holy things. They have not distinguished between the holy and unholy, nor have they made known the difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hidden their eyes from my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey to shed blood, to destroy people and to get dishonest gain. Her prophets plastered them with untempered mortar, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken." The people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery, and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. Verse 30, an important verse in my heart heart tonight. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord. This is a prophetic word given to the prophet Ezekiel to speak against the nation of Israel, Judah, because they had fallen away from the Lord and backslidden And God was getting ready to send judgment. And he identifies the problems in the land. And we notice that he speaks directly concerning the prophets. Now, the prophets, of course, are those that were supposed to speak for the Lord. They were to be bringing the word of God into the heart of the nation and the people. But instead, they were devouring the people. They were taking advantage of the people, taking treasure and precious things, distracted with their own material gain. He speaks to the priests. And the priests were, were of course, to be those that would minister spiritual things into the life of the nation. To teach the nation the law of God, to teach the nation how to how to have relationship with God, to intercede for them, to be the mediator inviting them into god 's presence into relationship with him, and, and he says that they have profaned my holy things they 've not treated their role uh, responsibly they 've not distinguished between the un, between the holy and the unholy they 've not the, not taught the people the difference between the clean. And the unclean, the lines have been blurred and the priests, the ones who are to represent me to the people, to warn the people, to declare what is right, to declare what is wrong, to say this is unholy, this is ungodly, this is against the command of God. Repent, turn your heart back to God, lest he judge, lest he pour out his indignation upon you. They stopped warning, they stopped giving a clear word between the holy and unholy, the clean and the unclean. They themselves hid their eyes from his Sabbaths, that which was holy. And so they have that they even God was profaned among them, even amongst his priests. He speaks to the princes. Of course, those would be the rulers, the political ruler, the civil rulers of the day. And they had become like wolves to get dishonest gain. All they thought about was their own political career and advancement. They were not interested in what was good for the people. They had no respect for the things of God. And they were propped up by the lying prophets who plastered over them, who said, thus saith the Lord, when it wasn't the Lord. He talks about the people of the land that they themselves had given over to oppression and robbery, mistreating the poor, the needy, wrongfully oppressing the stranger, a lack of hospitality, a lack of just community and kindness, that oppressing the stranger. It's that harshness that had crept in even to the civil life, even to the, to the public life of the nation, a, a loss of, you know, just being neighborly. Uh, being open-hearted, a, a, a kindness that, that God wanted to be a part of His people and the land, and they had become selfish, oppressive, robbing, wrongfully oppressing, self-serving. It's as if the the nation as a whole had begun to lose their conscience, their moral bearing. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound anything like what we are experiencing in our own nation? You know, I I have seen things changing so quickly just in my lifetime and just in recent, how the acceleration of changes in our culture, in our nation, and these, these changes that are moving further and further away from the moral anchor of God's word from just, you know, even not that all we were. It's not that everyone was Christian, you know, 20 years ago, but there seemed to be moral bearing about the country, about the nation, about the schools, about, you know, what was what what was right. And there seemed to be at least an integrity with it still within the churches and that the churches were still declaring the word of God, that there was a message of truth and light, distinguishing between the clean and the unclean, the holy and the unholy. Now, I'm not trying to be a, a prophet of doom and gloom here tonight, but i, I got to say, I think that things have changed radically in the last 20 years and really accelerating in, the, in most recent years. And I want you to know that I believe that things are going to accelerate even more rapidly. And it is high time for the church to stand in the gap and pray. It is high time for pastors and pulpits to declare the truth of God's Word, not looking to tickle ears, not looking to be politically correct, but to declare the holy and the unholy, the clean and the unclean. And we're seeing this just migration away from God. And we are foolish as a people to think that that we can continue down a path of profaning God, the Creator, and that there would be no consequence, that our nation would not suffer the same consequences that we have seen throughout history. These are God's people. This is His holy nation. If God became to the place where He was ready to deal and pour out discipline on his own nation, the nation that he founded and started, then how much more do these, uh, these things apply to any other nation? Again, I don't, I don't want this to be kind of a, a scare tactic tonight. I, I think if you're paying attention as a believer, what I'm saying to you is not news. It's already, you, you're aware, it's resonating in your heart. It's true. Things are changing are you know some of the moral pillars are being changed and moved and what was what, what was what the bible calls sin is now being called normal and acceptable and the church is being asked to be tolerable and preachers are asking are being asked to change the message and to and to accept and embrace a, a, a moving away from the biblical truths and the Lord told Ezekiel in verse 30, All of this was going on amongst my people, and so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall. This is not a physical wall, but a spiritual wall. And stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. The people had become so diluted in their thinking That God, in searching the hearts for a man within the nation that would rise up and say, I'm here to stand in the gap. I'm here to intercede for our people. I'm here to pray and ask you, God, for mercy and ask for you to change the hearts of our leaders and our priests and our prophets. And to work again in the heart of your people and to bring a revival and a restoration that you might spare us, that you might extend our days, that you might not have to judge judge us and pour out an indignation. But he found no one. And I do believe that the Lord is looking even today, and I'm talking primarily about America and what, what you and I see going on in our culture. And I believe that God is looking for men and women, for churches that would stand in the gap to build a wall. And that's what I'd like to do tonight. I want, to, I want to pray. You say, well, gosh, it's so overwhelming. What can we do? What we can do is we can pray. And we can stand in the gap. You, you know that the world and, the, and, and our culture and the, and the political movement, and I'm not trying to be political tonight. I'm saying we have a spiritual responsibility as a church. I have a spiritual rep- responsibility as a pastor. To declare the Word of God. To call what is clean and unclean, holy and unholy. To not, you know, as he said, prophets saying, thus saith the Lord when I never said those things. And so we as a church, I want us to be mindful. I want us to be a praying church. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be worrisome. I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I want you to pray. I want you to recognize that this is we are here for such a time as this. This is the generation that God has placed us to be here, to live as salt and light. Are you willing to stand in the gap? Are you willing to stand in the gap for your co-workers? Are you willing to stand in the gap for the youth of our community and what's coming down in, through the public schools? Are you willing to stand in the gap and to pray and to speak out when God gives you opportunity and to take a stand and to stand up and say, this is holy, this is unholy. This is right, this is wrong. This is what the Bible says. This is what man says. This is what society is wanting, but this is what God's Word says and declares. I'm a Christian. I believe in standing on the, on the foundations of the Word of God, the pillar of truth. And the church is supposed to be that pillar of truth. So I don't want us to, again, be discouraged tonight, but I want us to pray. Turn with me now to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. You know the story of Nebuchadnezzar the king who made the golden image and commanded that when, when he played the music that all in the country would bow down before the golden image that he made. And you know the story of the three Hebrew children who refused to bow down. Pick it up with me. That's kind of the setting. Pick it up with me in verse 7. We're talking about standing. And here's an example of men that stood Verse seven. So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image, which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews And they spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. I'm going to give you another chance. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And you know the story. This made the king furious. He threw them into the fiery furnace They were joined by a fourth man in that fiery furnace. We believe that to be Jesus Christ Himself, a pre-incarnation of Christ, joining them in the furnace. They were not burned. They came out and not even their clothing was singed or smelled of smoke. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Okay, your God wins. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you don't have to bow down to my God. And God used it as occasion For a great testimony and you know this story, but I I draw it to you tonight because I believe that you and I are going to be experiencing in some other way than this maybe be thrown into a fiery furnace. I believe that you and I are going to be asked to bow down to the narrative of our culture. You are going to be asked to retreat from your Christian principles. You are going to be asked to tolerate those things which you know in your heart God is not pleased with. You're going to be asked to not speak of your faith. You're going to be asked to not say anything offensive to what any other lifestyle wants to hear. And you are going to be uh, marginalized in the workplace, in the community, in the schools. That is, I believe, coming for us as Christians. I think already in some degree... You probably are already experiencing that. I mean, there are some topics that, you know, will immediately stir up uh, a, a debate in the workplace, immediately stir up hostile friction at, you know, Thanksgiving dinner. And you know just what to say to set off the bomb. And, and what happens is there's an intimidation. There's this kind of bullying of, on the Christians. Don't you dare. Bring your Bible, you know, uh, ideas here. When we act, tell you, you bow down before the golden image. You will submit and surrender to what we want you to submit and surrender to, because this is what is, uh, this is what is what we're doing today, and this is what the, even the rulers of the land are beginning to, you know, pronounce over our culture it's time to stand you have to stand in the gap in prayer and you have to be willing to take a stand for your faith. you have to be willing and again not looking for opportunities just to start trouble and be obnoxious Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not going out of their way to try and you know flaunt it in Nebuchadnezzar's face they simply stood They simply refused to bow. They simply would not compromise their faith in the one true God. And that brought them to a place of conflict. And when when they were really put to the test, they said, oh, King, this is an easy answer for us. We will not bow. And we believe that God is able to deliver us, but whether He does or whether He doesn't, we will not bow. We cannot bow. And so we, as Christians, I don't believe that we can surrender our our Christian faith, our biblical values, to whatever is coming our way. I've spoken with some of you individually. We have some that teach in public schools here, and some of the uh, you know the conflicts that are already coming up because of the laws of the land becoming so. Um, I don't know what else to say just so morally uh, bankrupt and Christian teachers have to take a stand and they have to, you know and it, and it there's pressure and it, it could affect you know and I think it I think it's coming in on pastors too and peop, pastors don't want to be offensive and they don't want to say anything that's going to ruffle the the cultural kind of narrative we've got to stand and we've got, to, we've got to stand in the gap in prayer and we've got to be ready to stand for what we believe and what we know to be true in the Word of God. And we're going to have to let God defend us. And we're going to have to let God use us as He did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And there will be persecution. There will at least be you know, some kind of a uh, social pressure. Yeah, but there may be more in, in, in times to come. Uh, we need to be ready for that because otherwise you just slowly compromise and you slowly accommodate and pretty soon you end up completely away from the anchor of truth that we need to be standing for. And we've seen it happen in churches. You know what's happening, right? You know what kind of what what things are, what types of things are happening under the name of Christianity, under the Christian within Christian churches. And I don't want to get into the specifics. I'm not here to, to highlight the, the, you know, the, the buzz topics that we all know are very offensive to the Word of God. You know what they are. But you see them even now beginning to be accommodated and somehow embraced even within the church. Let's pray tonight. Let's be a church that stands in the gap. If God is looking for someone to stand in the gap, may He find a little group of people here in a hot uh, Wednesday night in Monrovia praying and asking for Him to be merciful to our country, to help our schools and our young people, to pray for the pastors and the churches and those that would stand in the pulpit to speak for God and His Word. That's what I'd like us to spend the balance of our time tonight. Praying for. The way I'd like to do it is just we'll kind of take an attitude of prayer, and and I'm not going to spend a long time. I want to exhort your hearts tonight. I pray that I ask that you would begin to make this a part of your prayer life. But what I'd like to do tonight, and just for these next 10 minutes or so, is let's have a time of prayer. And if God so stirs your heart to pray in this regard, stand up and pray loud enough over the fans. Pray like a prophet tonight that we need to hear you and so that we can agree with you in prayer. You understand kind of the the theme of what I'm asking you to pray for? We're standing in the gap for our nation, for our churches, for our schools, for our communities, for our, for our families, for our workplaces, that we would not compromise the Word of God, our faith, and those things that we know God is asking us to stand for in our generation. Let's pray. Stand and pray and lead us loudly in prayer, and we will agree with you as the Lord prompts you. Lord, we pray for those in civil leadership, Lord, in our federal level, state level, even our local level, God, we ask God that your Holy Spirit would soften the hearts of even the political leaders and rulers in our land. We ask God that you would give them wisdom from above. Lord, whether they know you or do not know you, we pray that you would still influence the hearts and lead them into godly decisions that would be that would give opportunity for godly living that would extend your mercy to this land. And God, we pray specifically for the teachers and the school, those in ministering in the schools, Lord, to our young ones. God, that you would also bring believers and bring influence, Lord, that would once again uh, uh, just so, uh, delay uh, this onslaught, God, uh, this agenda that we can clearly see is of the enemy to try and deceive and distract and capture the next generation. We ask, God, that you would bring influence into all of these places, that you would be patient, Lord, and merciful. We confess to you, Lord, that we are a people needing your mercy and your strength and your grace. Lord, I pray for the churches and the pastors and the leaders of spiritual houses that they would stand and preach the truth. God, that they would pour... Uh, truth into the heart and lives of their congregants. And Lord, I pray for the church, the church of Jesus Christ, that we would be strong, that we would be purified, that we would not become lukewarm, that we would not become complacent, that we would not become so distracted with the, the cares of the world that we lose our place, that we lose our understanding and, our, and what you've called us to, that, that when you look, you would find no one, but rather that you would find us standing in the gap. And Father I do pray for revival. I pray for a spiritual awakening. God regardless the political climate, regardless the landscape of the culture, there is nothing more powerful than a spiritual awakening that is initiated by the Holy Spirit working through the life of the church. God, I do pray that as these cloud these dark clouds gather, that the light of your church would shine brighter and more purified, and Lord, that we would be a part of that. That we would see one great harvest, Lord, and that we would be able to rejoice and look what God is doing. Lord, G- you, Jesus, you said that the gates of hell should not prevail against your church, and that you're coming back for a spotless bride without blemish. God, purify us as a church. Call us to prayer. Let us be mindful of these spiritual things. Let this, even tonight, be fruitful, Lord, in our own prayer lives, in our own discernment as we live in this time, and God as a church, that we would be a praying people and that You would find a people standing in the gap, Lord. We ask these things tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.